Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 142. Showtime, a-holes. <laughs> it's been a hell of a week. We've been gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, there was plague. There was a horrible, <laughs> terrible plague. It's a, Yeah, it was completely unintentional. Uh, we fully were prepared to do a show last week until, yes, God filled my sinuses with concrete for three to five days. You got the scunge. It was the terrible scunge. And it's, <laughs> it's the kind that you get at work because like three people got sick at the same time and when people get you sick at work, <laughs> you want to go back as soon... You don't want to go back because you feel like shit. I, mean, I was out a good two or three days. But then you want to get back to like just spread the goddamn wealth. <laughs> just like, no, fuck you and you and you and you and you. Whoever fucking did this to me. But the problem is whoever did it to you, they were already sick. So it's like if you do that, it's like Jack Burton walking in after <laughs> after all the ninjas have taken out the, <laughs> taken out all the Lopans guys with the two guns. Ha! And everybody's already dead on the ground. It's a pointless gesture. <laughs> You've just made yourself feel fucking worse for the sake of petty revenge against you know the, like Janice, the girl in the corner who never did nothing to nobody. <laughs> You've ruined her fucking long weekend. But by God, somebody <laughs> has shared your misery. Just not the person who deserves it. <laughs> You'll get them next time. <laughs> I guess. Just gonna go in there with a plague bucket, <laughs> like use Kleenex from this cold. You get a plague. You get a plague. Y'all get plagues. I'll be get throwing used Kleenex around like Rip Taylor with fucking <laughs> confetti, just chucking disease down the fucking hall of cubes. <laughs> and that's when security came. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's when I came. It's like yes, what? I got you all. <laughs> okay, that's a new wrinkle in uh, things that I didn't know about. <laughs> Um, I need to go now. So it, <laughs> and shower like I'm fucking Karen Silkwood. <laughs> yeah, and it, it fucked up the whole weekend because it was literally uh, I left the office early on Friday. It's like this is great. We're gonna prep for the show, and then by Friday night, I'm shivering with the douche chills, <laughs> with fever, and I'm on my ass the entire weekend, all the way to Wednesday. I still think now that I hear myself in headphones, I sound a little bit like you know, I've been doing some of the the devil's white pepper. <laughs> We it, have actual white pe- pepper. I, I don't feel that way. <laughs> I feel like God has teabagged my frontal lobe <laughs> because this has been yet another weekend where I'm on call for the day job. So the day job has fucked up two weekends in a row. And it's weird because with my job, normally when I'm on call, nobody calls. It's some code runs and 99 times out of 100, it runs fine. Unless I'm on call. <laughs> then the phone rings at 2.30 in the morning, and I'm trying desperately to get something to run until 4. So, yeah, I'm operating on about five and a half hours of weird, half-drunk. Because <laughs> it's when you get off the line and say, okay, everything's fine at quarter of four in the morning, as far as my brain is concerned, I just got off work. It's time to relax. <laughs> One beer. So, so <laughs> have a beer or two. I had to force myself to go to bed. So I'm like, no, I haven't been able to do the show for two weeks. We have to do the show today. And even then, yeah, it's just this weird fugue state terror sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found you asleep on the couch this morning. 
The cat had apparently taken your side of the bed again. Oh, absolutely. Because, <laughs> yes, I, I put you to bed so I could stay up in case the phone rang. I and... fell asleep on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good drunken work, baby. That's I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> that, that was good work. But it's the cat knows when I'm not going to come to bed. I put you to bed and turn around. As soon as the lights go off in the hall, the cat scoots in and <laughs> does everything but wipe his ass on my pillow. <laughs> he <laughs> might do that. You don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's his fault. I was sick as a <laughs> Maybe. as a moron for five straight days. It's possible. The great miracle about all of it is you didn't get it. I know. What the fuck happened? I think uh, I knocked some wood here. Yeah. What what demon did you sell your soul to? Did did you make me sick to I, avoid a cold? I, like I, like a, a room? Uh, what is it? Nineteen eighty four. Room two twenty two. Do it to Rob, not to me. Give him. Like the great brain in the 1800s getting the mumps first because this time he was going to give it to his brothers. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God, you're a nerd. <laughs> great brain stuff on a comic books podcast. What's, what's I, wrong with you? I, I, I don't think I went out of my way to somehow infect you. I, I will say I did get my flu shot this season, which you have not yet done. Yeah. I didn't even skip that on purpose. I'm a firm <laughs> believer in the flu shot. It's just, it's one of those things that. My company has it. So they have a day where you sign up. Yeah. And But you have to sign up like a week ahead of time and then remember. Every other appointment in my job is handled through Microsoft Outlook. This one I'm expected to deal with on my own <laughs> with the magnificent technology of a piece of paper on the refrigerator in the break room. Oh. I'm supposed to keep that shit straight. Yep. So I completely missed it. And it's one of those things that every pharmacy and drugstore in Massachusetts, like, just come on in and get a flu shot. It's, well, no, I'm at the drugstore on my way to someplace. Yes. They're on my way from someplace. It's, I'm not here because I like hanging out at the pharmacy. I'm hoping somebody drops an oxy or something. It's, <laughs> no, you've said I need toilet paper and you've put a time frame on it. I have to deliver <laughs> because you're gonna. <laughs> and if we don't coordinate this effort, it's, uh, well, I don't like to fling around the word shit show. <laughs> Pow! I'm very tired. You've had a lot of free time to think about your shit puns today. Um, <clears throat> yes, and a lot of caffeine to even remotely, <laughs> remotely be able to function. So <laughs> it's going to be one of those. This show will be as long as it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, let's all rejoice. I've stopped leaking. My head no longer leaks. I was able to take you out in public on Friday. <laughs> Yes, but think of the place you brought me. There's a local steakhouse that uh, has opened up that their their big thing is you can eat with your hands if you want to. Yeah, of course, even I can go there, for Christ's sake. It's not like not like you dulled me up and squired me to society. It was when utensils are optional, yeah, I can go there. It doesn't matter what shape I'm in. Come to the steak trough. Yes, the steak trough. Feed. <laughs> that's that's literally what the place is like. I got a a pound of beef and macaroni and cheese they made with beef tallow and drippings. I mean, the, the macaroni and cheese was heavier than this meat. Like if I threw it at somebody and hit them in the face, they would drown. They would never be able to get it out of their their nasal passages before they would die. It was glorious. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the mac and cheese had its own gravity. It, it did, and it pulled me right down onto the couch. I was asleep <laughs> by, what, quarter and nine? I hate when that happens, because I'm like, oh, God, I'm becoming my dad. Well, no, not necessarily. You've had seven beers <laughs> and a pound of ribeye. 
<laughs> and a whole bunch of macaroni and cheese. Oh, and a French onion soup with a very foot-like cheese. So it was very rich. <laughs> and for soup, it was like a meal. <clears throat> this place is glorious. But, <laughs> but I'd, even at a place with utensils optional, I feel like I humiliated myself. I felt like I walked home with like half the bowl of soup on my shirt. <laughs> and just, uh, meat sweats. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> I think it was worth it, though, for our Uber drivers that night. Oh, Jesus Christ, we got every insane driver in the greater Boston area from like two different directions of madness. On the way there, it was a dude saying, you know, uh, I grew up on a farm and I can't wait to move to Vermont and live off the grid. I don't like technology. I'm like, buddy, you're... Let me tell you you about the time I kicked a fox to death. It was attacking my dog and I thought it was rabid. (laughs) I was eight. (laughs) Fox isn't a euphemism, is it? (laughs) I guess he's just telling us this. (laughs) <laughs> and we're trapped in his back seat <laughs> after dark. There's not a lot you could do. Yeah. And he's saying he's putting himself through college on Uber, but he hates technology. I'm like, buddy, you've got a thing on your dash that's talking to a satellite in outer space <laughs> and transferring money from us to you. And I hope it does it quickly enough so you don't stab me in the balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we got uh, proto-techno pseudo redneck unabomber on the way to the place yep. and on the way home <laughs> my dad invented particle beams for los alamos <laughs> you don't say did he now <laughs> clearly <laughs> clearly it's not a moneyed gig since you're driving us back in a nine-year-old impala <laughs> men from the government used to sit outside our house when i was growing up <laughs> Yes, of course, and I'm, I'm sure they still do, right? They're just outside there in the party van. That's what the tinfoil's for, right? Oh, God. <laughs> and whatever technological sense your laser beam inventing dad did didn't fall down to you because you got the same GPS talking to outer space. I had to call you four times to find me outside of a restaurant with literally nothing else around it and the big name of the restaurant on top. Yeah, to like you can but, see it from the highway. I had to all but flag you down like, like I had a pregnant woman. <laughs> Steak trough, exclamation point, from the highway. (laughs) Exactly. Take exit 27. (laughs) So, yeah, let's not pretend we had a a society evening of dining. (laughs) We were nearly killed on both sides of the trip, and and the fact that my heart didn't stop during dinner is a miracle. (laughs) And that's why we're here for you tonight, gentle listener. (laughs) (laughs) Please be gentle, because nobody else has. So yeah, feeling better. Good. We're going to do a show. <laughs> Let's do a show. <laughs> would you like to talk about Legion? I would. <laughs> Legion is a new X-Men based show on FX that I had no intention whatsoever <laughs> of watching. Like I vaguely heard something about it at some point and said, eh, that sounds horrible <laughs> and stupid and I don't think I want to see it. Literally the only reason we watched it is because we run a comics podcast and sometimes we need things to talk about. Yes. So it was surprisingly good. It was really fucking good. <laughs> I feel really ashamed with myself right now. Do do you need to shower like Karen Silkwood? Uh, I'm still kind of feeling like that, but no, that's not cuz of the show. No, I need to shower like an adult because <laughs> I have not. I I slept on the couch last night. What do you want from me? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was surprised. The first two episodes have come out. Episode three, I believe, is Wednesday at 10 yes. on, uh, I think it's FX, but it might it be is FX. FXX. No, it's FX. Okay, because, yeah, with the TiVo, it's we just give it, 
we feed it show names and, and they then magically it just appear. Goes out, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, I literally put it on there, going, "Well, at least this is something we can talk about for the show." And th- then we wound up not doing the show last week. It recorded the second one. It's like, Ugh, fuck it, let's watch it, and at least we could talk about it. And it was really surprisingly good, particularly the pilot episode. I found myself really engrossed in finding yeah. a lot of influences from various filmmakers and storytellers that I wouldn't have expected from an X-Men story. And I've gone on record. I'm not the biggest X-Men fan in the world. Well, and also um, quite the audio budget because there there were like Rolling Stones songs in the pilot episode and oh yeah the the show the pilot episode opened up with the who happy jack, happy jack. Yeah. like literally before there was a visual they're like burning through a million dollars and then yeah they had the stone she's a rainbow uh where david the main character blew up with his mind the uh uh, the room where they were interrogating him, that was Jane's addiction. Yep. And, but they burn through the entire budget immediately because the next episode <laughs> opens with an acapella cover of uh, of a Talking head song. Yes. <laughs> and closes with Tom- Thomas Dolby. And closes Dolby. with Thomas Dolby. I'm pretty sure I could get Thomas <laughs> Dolby's rights. <laughs> you know, with a phone call and a hot meal. Yeah. I'll take you to the steakhouse. You can listen to the rantings <laughs> of a science madman on the way home. You'll fit right in, Tom. You don't need utensils, which is good because you shouldn't be around sharp things. <laughs> <laughs> Find another way to feel, Tom. <laughs> Just some other way besides stuffing your head with meats <laughs> and carving on yourself. Uh, I'm very tired. I know. I, I don't know. I've been here all day. <laughs> uh, so... Give me some of your impressions of. I out of the out of the gate, my initial thoughts were: I'm like, visually, I there was a lot of stuff that made you think Britain in 1960 something, because there there was like soccer stuff when David was a child, and they have a shot of him on like a tricycle or something wearing shorts, like but in that kind of like weird like formal. This is your shorts outfit kind of thing. Yeah, like they you know. (laughs) At least on American media, like they send the kids in Great Britain to school in. Yeah. Because it's cheaper to break their spirit that way than with a taser. <laughs> Look or- at this picture of you when you were four. No, I'm going to show your girlfriend. No! <laughs> um, and, then, and then there's him coming clearly out of, underage out of like a liquor store drinking, which makes me think, well, if he's in Britain, then he'd be able to drink at that age, but not here. And then somebody's throwing a flaming trash can at the... It just seemed very... Britain, and then he opens his mouth, and it's all America. And it's <laughs> oh yeah, not a single person in this sounds remotely British. No, it's it all America. But yeah, particularly in the pilot episode, there was a lot of what seemed like clockwork, uh, orangey stuff. Yeah, and... I got a big Kubrick vibe off a lot of the visuals. He gets sent to a mental hospital. Spoilers. By the way, we're going to spoil the fuck out of this. Uh, <laughs> it's hard because particularly in the first episode, there's no plot to spoil. There's like one person gets killed. Otherwise, yeah. just figuring out what's going on is is kind of a challenge. He gets sent to a hospital that's legitimately called Clockworks Hospital. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm writing in my notes. I'm like, the decor here is very Kubrickian, Clockwork Orange. I'm like, the fucking place is called Clockworks. Oh, Jesus. It's, yeah, a lot of steady cam work. Yep. I, I very much got the vibe of, and I forget, I've gotten my notes here someplace who, uh, who created the show. Noah um, Hawley. Yes, thank you. Uh, and he directed the pilot. But I very much got the sense that he was going for a what if Stanley Kubrick lived long enough to do a superhero movie. Yes. And I'm not I'm not sure how well you can maintain <laughs> that kind of vibe. No. Oh, I mean, 
And I also, in certain moments, got a strong Dario Argento because of the, the way that they would use large blocks of color to indicate that something foreboding was about to happen. Uh, yeah, and during the scene where you pointed that out, there was a very synth-heavy goblin-type uh, yeah. goblin is sort of the in-house. But it was very superior. In the, Suspiria. In, sus, I'm sorry, Suspiria. That's it. Get out! <laughs> I don't even it's like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Stabbing a girl is on my mind. <laughs> now you're on the list. I'm very tired. <laughs> Somebody help me. <laughs> Phil Collins is going to send me a bill. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's parody. Fair use. I win. <laughs> Fair use, everybody. <laughs> I think you should play the whiskey funnel thing, frankly. No, no. They, let's. Uh, the, where's go. my whiskey funnel? <laughs> Uh, I'll do whatever you want. How's, how's this one? $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. I got a million of them. What do you want? Do you have the sprinkles one? You don't have the sprinkles one. I did not get the sprinkles one. That's because sprinkles are for winners. <laughs> oh, well, I, I got this one. I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. That's never going to get old. And so. we'll always have that, won't we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like bogey there. <laughs> Baby, we'll always have... I burn my family alive, and I like to light things on fire. <laughs> and someday you'll be telling that to a psychiatrist with... Here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> you know all the things you did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do all of Key Largo. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. No, right, don't. Not right now. Although we could afford that song, too. I'm pretty sure for like 80 bucks. We should probably talk about Legion. Yes. I hear this is a comic book <laughs> pop culture geek thing. Are you going to be okay? No. Okay. <laughs> very, no very much not. <laughs> uh, so yeah, visually it was very challenging, as was the storytelling. Uh, the story being very relative because yes. this, I want to say it's an interesting novel view of superpowers, particularly mental mutant superpowers in the Marvel Universe, but it's really not. But the way they went was yeah, this guy has lived his entire life thinking that he's insane. He has a mental illness that yes. uh, he hears voices because it's schizophrenia and not, no, he's reading the mind of everybody around him. And, and can't tune it out, so he assumes it's voices. Yes, and the episodes of actual telepathy where he has moved things and destroyed things are delusional, uh, whereas he thinks he did it with his mind, but apparently everybody thinks, no, you individually took out every single knife in the kitchen and carved it all to pieces because we all have that kind of time and energy. You had a big tantrum. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big tantrum. It's instead a big of, tantrum. <laughs> instead of the power to crack the earth into. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would say that's novel, and it really is for like the X universe because even with the superpowers that you see in uh, mutant comic books, you get a panel or two of, oh, I grew up as, uh, I, I didn't realize I was the god of weather. I was, <laughs> I was a thief and afraid of being buried alive. So the psychological issues you know, are always sort of in thought bubbles over a panel or two just before somebody punches Magneto in the knuck. There was some stuff with Jean Grey, though, where there, she had a storyline where she questioned her sanity, and that was before Phoenix. Was it? Yeah, I think Again, so. Again, I'm not the world's biggest X-Men fan. Yeah, and... That's one of the things that they they did actually appropriate for a, a little movie called X Men Three, and I, it was one of the few things that was true to things that happened in the comics. <laughs> yeah, we saw that. Uh, at least I saw that once. I don't know if you've uh, gone a cheating on me. No, no, no. Once was more than enough. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we own X Men, uh, X Men Two, X Men United, mm. X Men First Class. I think that's it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Which explains the attitude going into <laughs> Legion of who fucking cares. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Why I was so very pleasantly surprised. It, it, it did a nice job with, you know, the idea of mutants are supposed to be a metaphor. The idea of, you know, you feel like an outsider because insert reason, race, gender, identity, any one of those things. And so substitute for that power <laughs> that makes you different and unable to fit in. And, well, and that's always sort of the gimmick in the comics. Well, and also it all the onset is always at about puberty. So what is happening to me? Am I losing my mind? Which is what you think, you know, when you start, you know, sprouting curly bits for the first time. And <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus and or, <laughs> and well, or any of the other things that happen when you go through puberty. Ma, I've blocked you, it out mostly. Can you look at this curly bit? <laughs> Put your pants on, Rob. Am I a mutant? <laughs> yes, you are. But not in the way that you think. You're my little mutant. Put your pants on. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, but the payoff in the comic books is always, you know, oh, yes, you have all that alienation and what's happening to me. But the payoff is cool shit like I can fly yeah. or I can, you know, control my powers eventually. Or, or you're I'm Cyclops wolf. and you just, you know. Cyclops is the booby prize. No matter what, <laughs> if you find out if you find out you're Cyclops, you've made some terrible choices. Yeah, you know, no matter what's happening in your genes. <laughs> but that's a payoff. It's you know, there's power. It's an adolescent power fantasy. Whereas this very much does not truck in that. At least in the first couple of issues, it's this is a terrible thing that's happening to this guy. Yes, and he doesn't understand it, and it's terrifying. It, there's a psychological horror piece to it, and a, and a body horror piece to it. Yeah, there was very much a Cronenberg feel to it. Mm. Uh, that's why I say, oh, it should be groundbreaking. Well, it's really kind of not, because the idea of mental powers that put you on the fringe and make everybody think you're half insane are pretty well explored scanners. in scanners. Yeah. And, and even the, the physical part of superpowers is the fly. Mm. So Cronenberg's done pretty well. I mean, Jesus, the dead zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't do anything good for Christopher Walken no. to know the future. Nope. But I, I would say for television, particularly done in, in this sort of stylistic of fa- fa- uh, fashion, I was going to say faction, and that's not the word I wanted. <laughs> Who else <No>. is tired? <laughs> um, I, I, I think it, w- it hung together really well. I was a little concerned about pacing in the first episode, but at the same time, you're right. They, since they were going out of their way to just sort of drop you in what it's like to live in crazy town with this guy. Yeah, Th- there was it, there was no way to pace it any differently because it's supposed to feel like you're kind of drowning. <laughs> yeah, and can't keep track of where you are and what's necessarily happening because yeah, he's heavily medicated. The people around him are heavily medicated, so yeah, mentally he's going back and forth within his own head. So it was it was very effective at being disorienting. Yeah, and also um, I really have been enjoying so far in this Aubrey Plaza who is his crazy friend and now dead friend and hallucination Lenny. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I thought it took a lot of stuff. She's the only semi-name in the thing. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down somewhere the, the dude who plays David, the, whose name I didn't recognize. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah, amazingly, my hands were shaking today. Were they? Uh, <laughs> my, my writing is a little bit difficult uh, to follow. but That's okay. Daniel something. Yeah, uh, yeah, I forget. I'll come across it eventually. But it, it doesn't matter. But I thought it's, like, yeah, it's a lot of balls to kill your one semi-name star from <laughs> Parks and Recreation halfway through the first episode. And then, of course, yeah, bring her back as sort of the... I don't know, voice of reason. Jiminy Cricket. The chorus. <laughs> Jiminy, Jiminy, Cr- 
Never mind. I'm staying away from that. <laughs> You've never seen... Have you never seen that? Really? What, Pinocchio? Yeah. I I grew up with Star Wars. I need not your Disney bullshit. <laughs> the fuck am I going to do with Pinocchio? I She's got... going to help him be a real boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> As opposed to a crazy pants boy. I, I really like Van Jensen's Pinocchio Vampire Slayer. That's a uh, <laughs> Vampire Hunter. That's pretty good. Can we stick with that one? What, what am I going to do with... <laughs> Aubrey Plaza is Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm thinking back, you know, my 20s had a band Jiminy Cricket, apparently. <laughs> I'm just thinking about giving some of her lines, you know, Jiminy Cricket talking about fin- finger blasting a girl. Um, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> they got my dick message. No, they very much didn't. Well, trying to message. sell like kitchen appliances for drugs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that drug called vapor. You know, I'm having a hard enough time with my e-cigarette. I'm more than happy to go back to the regular cigarettes if we're just going to crap on the e-cigarette thing. <laughs> it was it was uh, the 60s, so I think it was supposed to be something else. But it's also blue, and they they made a real point about how it was blue. Except I don't think it's really the 60s because the uh, the dude that was interrogating him, his notebook was iPads on either side oh, of the screen. Oh, that's true, too. When this happens is very much... Up in the air in yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah, and that's part of the charm of it, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a way of making it timeless. Yeah. Uh, some of the fashion choices, I wish would be put out of fucking time. <laughs> Anybody who wears a t-shirt with a cube on the front and some form of knitted vest probably should be heavily medicated and put away. That was um, a nod to the 90s, which was kind of weird. I was drunk for the 90s. <laughs> Look, I still dress like a 12-year-old boy in 1984. <laughs> I've never learned anything. Damn, I thought those were animals, but I didn't really want to confirm it. <laughs> it's the only way I can match anything. I match the lion with the lion, and I'm good to go to work. <laughs> Just fling plague around. Plague animals. <laughs> Yikes. The amoeba to the amoeba. Now you've got dysentery. Oh, come on. <laughs> I always thought it was a blob. Either way. <laughs> See, the the weird thing is I, I really enjoyed the first pilot episode a lot. Yes. Because it very much revealed almost nothing. It's the dude's in a place for some reason, and then he's in, in another place, and it's not clear who brought him there. It's not clear if any of the people that he has interacted with at any point are even real or in his head. Yes. Every room he's in, it seems like there's somebody sitting in the back corner, uh, which means you're not sure if he's hallucinating it or not. Or, or being th- observed. Yeah, there was a, a scene where his sister is just visiting with him on his birthday, and there's yeah what appear to be other patients sitting in the back corner for yeah. no reason who don't interact, but he keeps looking over at them. So it was... It, it kept you on your heels, and I like that. That's different. Yeah, and and I don't know if this is going to come into play later, but when when I see a title like Legion, my mind goes to um, a storyline they took Rogon for a while, and the I, she was going by the term Legion because as X-Men were, I think this is how it worked out, as X-Men were getting ready to die or dying, she absorbed them so that they would live on in her head. And and that's why they called her Legion because she she was taking on all of these now fallen X Men. Oh, of course, because that's a well known side effect of the weather <laughs> is to eat your fucking soul. Apparently, no, no, no. Rogue, not Storm. Storm Rogue? is yeah. Okay, Rogue. I'm Rogue is tired. the one who in, <laughs> I know who Rogue is. 
I, for some reason, I heard Storm. Fuck. Yeah. No, Rogue is the one that they're they're borrowing the power set from for the girl in this show. <laughs> yes. Sid, Sidney Barrett. Sid Barrett. <laughs> and I spent half the first episode going, Jesus, which which one of the X-Men is that? I, I know that name. I can't figure out why I know that. <laughs> it's Sid Barrett from fucking Pink Floyd. God damn it. Sid Barrett, who made David Gilmore and Roger Waters the voice of fucking reason. Yeah. The crazy <laughs> one from Pink Floyd. Another good way to say, oh, is this even real? So I kind of, I accepted that, but I was so goddamn pissed when I realized how much mental energy I had wasted trying to figure out, is that Caliban? Who the fuck is Sid Barrett? (laughs) I know the name. (laughs) God damn it. Trick me, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm at my mentally weakest. (laughs) After he eventually escapes the, the clutches of the government who go after him, Yes, we, we we do learn that the interrogation is real and it is some kind of government for what is division three. Division three. Okay, it's not division one because that's where the best athletes would have been. Oh, so, <laughs> I don't even know if division three is a thing in the X Men comics. Oh no, it's not. No, it is in sports. Well, yes, I know. <laughs> I went to a division three school. That's why I drank on Friday nights instead of going. Yay, team! <laughs> yeah, me too. He gets away. He meets up with this. Other group of mutants led by a woman named Dr. Uh, Melanie Bird, who's played by Jean Smart. From Designing Women. Yes. <laughs> God help us all. Fuck you, Delta Burke. Who's still working, huh? Huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, exactly. Okay. <laughs> what did Delta Burke do to you? I don't know. I'm just try, trying to like remember people who are on that show. <laughs> Eat shit, Meshock Taylor, or whatever it was. Because I think Annie Potts is still doing okay, so <laughs> she was in in the Ghostbusters last year. Yes, so I don't think she really has to work at this point. <laughs> Ghostbusters is on TV about every fifteen minutes. I literally the TiVo the TiVo gives us suggestions. Three out of every five times I turn the TV on, it's like Ghostbusters is on right now. Yeah, yes. she's probably doing fine. Anyway, um, so yes, Gene Smart. Gene Smart is uh, somebody bird. Melanie, I, Bird. Melanie Bird, who I don't recognize from any comic book. No, no, and she's she's supposedly some kind of psychologist. We don't know if she has any kind of power set. She's trying to help all of these mutants that she finds become better through talk therapy and a variety of other psychotherapies that involve the use of a mutant who can walk you through your memories. That sounds like pure hell to me. Yeah. <laughs> My memories pop up at the worst possible time. Anyway, just the most terrible things I've done. Yeah. You know, while I'm driving, I'm like, oh, Jesus, all I have to do is twitch left. I can put the car into an abutment. <laughs> I don't have to think about that time in third grade where I got walked into and stall. This is a really inopportune time for me to close my eyes. I might hit a Jersey barrier. Yeah. <laughs> the question becomes, you know, is she real? Is she for real or does she have her own nefarious plans for these mutants with whom she is working? David seems to find new and different power sets over the course of these episodes. He makes me think, actually, of in the X-Men comics, the child who is supposed to be the son of, I think, Xavier and Moira McTaggart, who's, I think, goes by Proteus, who's supposed to be, like, sort of the alpha of all mutants ever. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, which makes me wonder, is David adopted? Are we going to find out this sort of stuff? Um, And Proteus was legitimately crazy. And so her Melanie's whole line to David, oh, no, no, you're not crazy. You're, you just have been told to think that way your whole life. Well, 
Why can't he be crazy? <laughs> well, and I would like to believe that that will actually get examined. I, I doubt we're going the Proteus route because at least in two episodes in, we haven't seen anything malign about David. Yeah, the, well, the, but Proteus the, wasn't necessarily malign. It, it, he was crazy, and there was no way to treat him because he was too powerful to really get in there and actually do any good work. Yeah, part of me really hopes, sincerely hopes, they're just sort of taking the idea of mutants as a jumping-off point yeah. and making this its own thing. Because I've really kind of liked... Yeah, I don't recognize any of... You know, besides Sid Barrett. I don't recognize any of these people. It's And certainly, uh, Sydney, you sort of get a, a rogue feel mm-hmm. from her, but the powers seem different. It seems like a body-switching thing. Yeah, I, I, but we yeah. haven't really had a chance to explore with her yet what else she can do. Yeah, I mean, the, the key that they seem to have stripped from Rogue is the, you know, okay, no touching. Right. You know, so for young people, <laughs> young people in love <laughs> and they can't touch. Yeah. At, at least David doesn't have a horrible corn poem, <laughs> <laughs> New Orleans fake accent. Oh, God. I can I can stick with that. Yes. Although at one point he says, we're having a romance of the mind. And she almost melts. <laughs> Didn't I yell out, it's a romance of the mind. Now watch me jack off. Yeah. Look at it. Look at me while I do it. It's, it's because you're a romantic at heart and you know how to talk to him. <laughs> Your whole life has been building toward this. <laughs> to shriek at the television pantsless. <laughs> you can't ever leave me. <laughs> You, you can't. You might as well put a bullet in my head. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. You have my car keys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it uses that part of Rogue, but otherwise it seems to be a different character. You know, I, I haven't seen... We've seen somebody who seems to potentially have firepower, although yep. it may have been something else going on in the room. We didn't see it when the escape happened. Yeah, you know, David was mentally told, just dive into the pool and don't come up. And we saw a fire and burn bodies, but we don't know what. So the point is we're not seeing anybody I recognize. And I like that. Yeah. Do your own thing with this. I would very much like to get a few more episodes in and realize I've stopped saying, okay, who the hell is that? Who could that possibly be? Because yes. it's really entertaining and challenging on its own front. Now, I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how long you can sustain this. Particularly the first episode, I loved because yeah, I was completely on my heels. I don't know what's real. If I, you know, I, I recognize that he, he he can't be really completely insane. That there is a power set in this, mm-hmm. and the, the way they finally made that extremely clear when he picked up a pen and threw it in his interrogator's face with his mind. I'm yeah. like, okay, now you've got my attention. <laughs> but I, I like that it's this thing that. I don't, I don't know what it is. Now, even with the second episode, right out of the gate, we start getting exposition. And it's, yes. okay, this is who this person is. And one of the people who is interrogating him gets a superhero code name. He's you know, not, just, you know, not just this weird guy with a terrible afro. He's the eye. <laughs> they should have called him the fro because the afro is much more... <laughs> And he's got uh, like the one weird, one weird contact in to give him the eye. So we don't really know what his. Clearly, he's got some sort of power set, which we're probably going to learn more about in the next episode because he's got Amy, who is David's sister, hostage. That was the thing. David realized that while he was undergoing an MRI. So now he's got telepathy, telekinesis, and then potentially also clairvoyance. 
possibly, although it could be as simple as he was picking up on her thoughts yeah. with telepathy. Well, from- no, because she had an experience. Actually, he projected, too. She had an experience at the hospital where she saw him when she was following up to see where he was. Is that the one where he seemed to be flickering in and yeah. out of the hospital? See, I, I really took that as that was happening then, mm. and he was reading her mind. So that was the visual representation of of his reading her thoughts at that moment. I, I would believe you, except that she also seemed to see him, and then she said, David. Yeah, that's true. Although even that could have been, you know, oh, I can feel him in my thoughts. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's TV, and you got to try and show, don't tell, <laughs> which worked very well with this show because they didn't tell his shit, particularly for the first episode. Yeah, and I don't necessarily mind the introduction of a certain amount of exposition to give it a little bit of framing because I want the show to stay in the air, and not everybody is you and I as a viewer. So I think if they leave it murky and you're swimming from thing to thing every episode, they'll lose people that get frustrated with trying to follow the thread. And you know what? That's fine. Those people have, as we do, The Flash and Supergirl and uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But this is also Fox, who will drop things at the the drop of a hat. Oh, yeah, they'll firefly this thing. Yeah, (laughs) they'll dollhouse this thing. (laughs) Let's be fair with Dollhouse. They gave Dollhouse a very real chance for a show that took almost an entire season to figure out even what the fuck it was. That's true. So they gave Dollhouse a chance. They they only did because they realized they stomped on their dicks with Firefly. (laughs) But... But it's also, it's FX that's willing to give Louis C.K., fine, here's a short budget and do whatever the hell you want. True. Yeah, it's it's a tricky spot that it's in. I I would love, yeah, just make it a weird body and mental horror examination of what it's like to really have this power. Because of any X-Men story I've seen, this is the first one where it's like, yeah, if this were happening to you, if you just heard voices (laughs) and were told convincingly that that some of the things that you have seen or done were delusions, that would be terrifying on a constant basis. And there is no Professor X to give you a smile in a nice room and the you know third wing, <laughs> you know, with a Xbox in it right. <laughs> to help you guide you through your powers. That's true. So to see him get more and more under control would make this far less interesting for me. And the problem is I can see an arc where, yeah, in a season and a half, it's purely plot-based. We're going to do an assault on Division 3, and here's your purple spandex, and your name is Vibes <laughs> with an S because DC's got it. A vibe, and we're vibes ar- with a Z. And we're already yeah. courting we're already courting disaster by calling this Legion. <laughs> Because all I can think of half the time is bouncing boy. <laughs> so your vibes with a Z and go attack. And I don't want it to become that. I'm I don't think it's going to though. I think I, I think that the the challenge of this particular season for the the protagonist, and I hope it doesn't really go away, is that there is a real underlying mental health issue, and it's not necessarily something you're ever cured of. It's something that you have to continually be vigilant about, and something that you have to be willing to put the work in on that. And that's something they said in the second episode when he was trying to escape to go find his sister. Yeah. Um, and Sid Barrett, <laughs> unlikely voice of reason, came and found him in the elevator and said, hey, you can't try, try to go off and save her now. You know, you need to put in the work to, to get better yourself before you go and try to save her. And <laughs> and that's that's the thing. If there is a mental health issue here, 
it's not something that's going to be cured. And I think there's something deep and dark in here that they're they're going to try to explore that's supposed to be embodied by this gremlin with the yellow eyes that sort of shows up every now and again before shit goes wrong. Christ, I hope that's not Mogo. Don't tell me that's just Mogo. It's not Mogo. It better not be Mogo. <laughs> it's not Mogo. But it could be it could be another aspect of his personality. They haven't gone that route yet. It it could be any number of things. <laughs> that's true. There's a lot of potential here. And there's a lot of potential here because they're not spoon-feeding whatever the hell they're up to. There was more of it in the second episode, and I I hope they really resist the urge to, okay, yeah, we've got to turn this into a straight-ahead superhero story. Yes. That's part of why I didn't give a shit about this going into it. It's like, I don't need another X-Men story. I haven't even seen X-Men Apocalypse yet. Right. I'm not the biggest X-Men fan in the world. That said, I will beat people out of the way to go see Logan in a week or two. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But I don't need another straight-ahead superhero story. There are some great ones already on television. Yes. You know, I've got The Flash. I got Supergirl. Legends of Tomorrow. I got Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow. Yep. Someday I'll catch up on uh on Gotham. <laughs> We've got Gotham and Agents of Shield that have just sort of been sitting on there stacking up because they are not our favorites. Yeah. And there are other better shows on. Yeah. We'll get back to them on some lazy long weekend. Yeah. Where I'm not up until four in the morning screaming at the outside of my monitor. Yeah, I mean, lately, when we've had downtime and you've wanted to watch TV, you've been putting on, um, like, you've been binging the librarians. (laughs) Yeah, which won't make you any smarter. Not even close. And it's light enough that uh, TiVo has this function where you can press a button and it will play the show at 110% speed, but it'll adjust the audio. So it's a a great show because it's kind of light. Yeah, you can burn through them fast and they're fun. Yeah. It's a nice adventure show. No, I don't have to worry about, oh, shit, I missed three episodes back of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I don't want to go back. <laughs> I don't think you can make me anymore. Yeah. But no. I don't want that. We've, we've got plenty of shows like that. Fucking confuse me. Challenge me. Make me wonder what everybody's motivation is. Make me wonder how much of it is real. I've really dug it. I yeah. had a good time with it. This has now become appointment TV. And I, I fully anticipated we would watch the pilot and burn it off and never revisit it. And I can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, no, I'm 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 down with it. And, and we mentioned it a little bit the the visuals particularly in the uh opening episode which is directed by what was the name of the guy who created it again? Noah Hawley. Yeah, it very much Stanley Kubrick steady cam and uh, Yeah, they actually in the uh in the final battle scene in the pilot they had a shot that was intended to look like a through shot <laughs> as they're leaving the facility that was holding David and then battle their way out and then across the lawn yeah, and downstairs. A long, a long tracking shot. Yeah. It was, yeah, I think there were several stealth edits. Oh, I, there had yeah. to have been because it was <laughs> special effects heavy. Yeah. But yeah, they were going for that. So yeah, a very ambitious visual pilot. Yeah. In a way I haven't, I don't recall seeing in any superhero show you know, going for like arty shit. Yeah. So they used up all their money in the pilot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, again the pilot in particular was really like, yeah, what if Stanley Kubrick did a superhero movie? Yeah, which he may well have had he lived forever. He did horror. Yeah, and he was going to do science fiction. Uh, well, he did science fiction with two thousand one. Was going to come back to it with AI. Yeah, he did comedy with uh, Doctor Strange Love. He went various genres. Yeah, uh, did, a lot of psychological and psychological horror. And yeah, he he did uh, crap with Eyes Wide Shut. The all important crap. 
particularly yes. with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise in crap. Yeah, just went out with a steaming turd. Like how you can make a movie with two people who are married to each other seem like they have absolutely no chemistry. That that's that is art. That is a uh, yeah, uh, alienation <laughs> at every level of the production <laughs> and life. Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this in a way that I in no way thought I was gonna. It's I put it on so that we could talk about it on the show, and it's really fucking good so far. Yeah. So, yeah. Appointment TV. Go yep. get it. <laughs> Highly recommended. Legion. Uh, Wednesdays at, at 10, 10 uh, on FX. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that they should give us something. I think they should. No, we have journalistic integrity and shit. <laughs> yes. Yes. But we wouldn't say no to some... Fine no. Berkshire Brewery Pale Ale. It's, if, yeah. I, if I have a beer right now, the show is over. <laughs> this is the first show I've done stone sober in a while because I am on the ragged edge of consciousness That's, right now. Yes, and I need you to be upright so that you can apply meat, fire to meat to fire, fire to meat. Um, we need to talk about what you're asking for. I need clear directions. <laughs> Un- unclear instructions right now will lead to the hospital stay. <laughs> Okay. Please. I, I, I may want this in writing, and I think I want a fucking lawyer. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm a lawyer, as far as you know. What the hell happened here? A $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> yes? I burn my family alive. I like to light things on fire. All right. You want to talk about a couple comics? Let's talk about a couple comics. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Oh. You know, since... We had a real sense of, we're not sure what time period, but it might be the 60s, but it could be the 90s, um, or it could be now, uh, with, with Legion. Let's talk about Dead No More, The Clone Conspiracy. Oh, do we have to? Can we find a way to not talk about you this? You made me read this. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, The Clone Conspiracy, number five, written by Dan Slott, art by Jim Chung. Uh, my first note here is this is the issue where Peter Parker answers the question that Dan Slott has been asking about him since the start of this event. Fuck, how many pages do I have left? I got to wrap this shit up. Yeah. Um, yeah, this issue exists to end the event. Yes. Really, period. It felt very rushed and characters changed motivations on a dime mm-hmm. from the way they were for the entire series even though the way they've been for the entire series is very different from the way they were before the series, which also was not explained satisfactorily. Yeah. So people just change sides. Uh, they they use some form of sound to cure a virus, as one does. As one does. Uh, yeah, it's... Do you, you want to give your impressions before I start bitching? It's, this is not real good. The last time we had clones was the 90s. The 90s were a mixed bag of things. They brought us really great things like Nirvana. They also brought us TLC. <laughs> and, and I think we need to remember that, you know, not everything is good and, and clones are not good. We don't need to go there again, Dan Slot. I, I just want you to understand how much this book sucked. <laughs> and, and while I don't think it necessarily ruined my memory of the 90s, because that was what the first clone saga did. <laughs> it didn't help. The, the clones, <laughs> the clones, the first clone saga ruined the '90s in real time. <laughs> but uh, I'll just say, you know, I think we've all learned, and we're going to move on from here. Amanda, everybody, Amanda. <laughs> Don't go chasing waterfalls, Dan. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no fucking.
fucking scrubs, Dan. I don't want no scrubs. Or clones. Damn, I wish I was your lover, Dan. So, wait, what? what? Huh? You know, you know how bad some of the music in the 90s were? One time I was at a bar and I was drunk. Do I need to recue the whole thing? No, no, okay. but I, I decided that I would put in um, Natalie Merchant because it was the 90s and I was a girl. And uh, if you queue up on, on a CD jukebox, uh, The River... The bar will clear out. You will have the whole bar to yourself. <laughs> oh, Natalie, Mar- she was a uh, Ten Thousand Maniacs. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, what's it? Edie Brickell? No, uh, <laughs> I'm all out of faith. This is how I feel. Oh, make it on the- Natalie, Natalie and Brulia. Yeah, I've wasted my life. <laughs> that that's in my brain. I'm sorry. It took me 45 <laughs> minutes to play Sid Barrett, but Natalie and Brulia was only five <laughs> seconds away. <laughs> Yeah. You just want to suck the joke out of everything. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the characters, in order to, for this story to work to begin with, the cloned characters all had to behave in a way that was absolutely antithetical to who they were as human beings before they were clones. And then, in order to end this, had to then completely pull a 180 and remember that they were, in fact, being douches and start to act as themselves again. Yeah, it's everybody suddenly had to start acting like themselves. Otherwise, yeah, if everybody was still acting in opposition to Peter, he'd lose. So right. certain people just had to suddenly realize that they were on the wrong side. Yeah. And look, I'm glad to see Captain Stacy and Gene DeWolf acting like Captain Stacy and Gene DeWolf, but. It shouldn't have taken five issues. It shouldn't have taken five issues. And the only reason that's really given in this that they would change is they're suddenly losing. Yeah. The, oh, shit, the carrion virus is changing us. We're, we're not going to get through this. So Now I'm becoming monstrous in body as I was in action. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it, it makes their villain turn for the first four issues worse because they always should have known better. Yes. Not just, oh, crap, uh, we're going to lose and die. Uh, I, now I remember that uh, I'm Spidey's buddy. Yeah, I have to act against um, all of my general principles because otherwise the jackal won't bring back my dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and nobody seems to think that's a bridge too fucking far. One one moment that stuck out to me amongst all this sudden people changing sides for, for no particular reason given beyond, oh shit, we're going to lose. I guess we backed <laughs> the wrong horse. Oh well, <laughs> it was uh, when Peter learns that Anna Maria's got the inverse frequency to cure the carrion virus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Curing fucking viruses with... Yeah. No, why not just get some crystals and meditate? Ooh. Yeah. Well, no, that's why you don't see any Motorhead fans with sniffly noses. <laughs> <laughs> they should have called this fucking... They should have called this... This the Lemmy? No, they should have called this the Brown Note. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, Peter realizes that he can broadcast the Brown Note. Through uh, the Parker Industries cell phones and uh, and smartwatches and shit, and it'll destroy them, uh, which will really fuck up his company. But it'll save the world. And yes. Anna Maria points out, you know, yeah, it's really going to be bad for Parker Industries. And of course, Peter doesn't care because he's Peter Parker. He's fucking Spider Man. Well, and also this is slot taking it back to okay, Parker can't be the rich whiz kid forever, so we need to bring him back to because the upcoming series and i don't remember if slots writing it or if it's somebody else they're taking peter back they said this was the talking point oh to this basics. is a spectacular spider-man yeah. chip zadarsky is gonna yeah. be writing it i forget who's doing the art they're but... bringing it back to basics and the basics yeah. means that he's you know parker the loser 
<laughs> well, yeah. And he, you can't have a fucking billion dollar tech company and be Parker the loser. Yeah, that's that's kind of a hard dollar to sell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, I had to miss a board meeting <laughs> because I was Spider-Man. Nah, that's not loser. Ah, Peter, you lovable scamp. I mean, <laughs> I, I missed a, a meeting on Tuesday because I couldn't breathe <laughs> or stay awake. <laughs> You needed somebody to send you the brown note. I it couldn't have hurt. <laughs> couldn't have made it any worse. But at least somebody said, hey, there's a consequence to this thing we're going to do, and it had to be weighed and correctly discarded for the greater good. Yes. You know, at least somebody had to think about it. And, you know, compare that to Captain Stacy, who threw out every fucking principle he ever had to save Gwen, even though they've both been dead since, like, the Partridge family was a going concern. <laughs> Suddenly it's the most important thing in the world to be awake in 2017. If my father had died yes. in 1974 and he woke up and turned on the radio and heard like, I'm all about that bass, <laughs> he would he would bite his own tongue off and drown in his own blood <laughs> to save himself another instant. To see, just to not find out Justin Bieber was next on the radio. Well, I mean, I don't know if we've talked about this yet. I don't think we have. At no point did any of these clones that have been resurrected say to Ben Riley, you know, I have agency and I didn't ask for this. Uh, I'm sure, uh, I guess his explanation would be, oh, those people he just quietly wiped off the table or something. Because nobody acted like they had any agency. Yeah. They dangled their loved ones in front of them or dangled, oh, yeah, you're actually dead over here. And yeah, we need you to, I need you to be a supervillain for me. I need you to act in constant acts of extortion and drug pushing amongst the more <laughs> the more new you people I bring in to clone right. to take over the world. I mean, all this does is, is, yeah, set everything up so that we have an open sandbox again with every single villain available for the next crew to come in and write. Um, it brings Parker back to a point where he'll probably be bankrupt and have to go back to being a photographer or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, and that is one thing that occurred to me. This felt in its own way like Spider-Verse did that Dan said, I want to play with all the toys. Yeah. And this gave him an excuse to do it, but the problem is, yeah, it's the, the nature of the excuse, they all had to act in ways that cheapened them. Yes. For, like, reasons. Yeah, And then to have them suddenly try to redeem themselves, you know, because they realize they're going to lose, makes the fact that they acted out of character in these horrible, felonious ways yeah. even cheaper. The guy in this story was not Captain Stacy. No. He wasn't even Dennis Leary, for fuck's sake. I mean, and, and arguably Gwen Stacy wasn't even Gwen fucking Stacy. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> And the, she even realizes when she meets Spider going, wow, there's a better version of me out there. Yeah, there, there is. Go yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> I get what Dan Slott was trying to do with Gwen Stacy. I get that he was trying to create a way for her to rewrite her own death and she, give her some she agency. She gets to go out taking out all the goblins. Except we don't see that. We don't know that's the case because yeah. he really wrote himself into a fucking corner. Because he spent since last April showing Gwen as this willing participant in the Jackal's plans. True. So she's been committing extortion, like her last name's fucking Corleone. <laughs> you know, she has aided and abetted kidnapping. Now, this is Marvel Comics' original sweetheart, and she's a multiple fucking felon. <laughs> she's Amy Fisher now. 
Dakota Fanning will pay her in the ABC movie of the week. <laughs> nice. You know, and I get that Dan Slot wants us to feel some catharsis that she's actually able to stand up to the goblins to buy Peter some time, but notice we don't show her do anything except get the pumpkin bomb. And part of the problem is we're supposed to believe this is really Gwen Stacy. Even though it's a clone, it's really Gwen, so she gets another chance at it. So if she's attacking these other clones, ostensibly killing them with this pumpkin bomb, well, then we have to believe the same thing about them. Mm-hmm. You know, if they have agency the way she's does, then if she this is murder. She's now murdering these people <laughs> with a pumpkin bomb. Yes. And and also I think it's telling we don't see her die. Nor do we get confirmation necessarily of her death, I believe by the end of this issue. Peter finds a pile of ashes the same way he does of Ben Riley, and we know Ben Riley survives because thanks to the solicits, we know we've got yet another fucking Scarlet Spider revival. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, that's sort of... And, and I, I refuse to believe that uh, Dan Slott went to all this trouble to bring back Doc Ock just to wipe him out again. Right. But anyway, your point. No, my point being that since we can't confirm that the pile of dust is her either, you know, Dan wasn't, doesn't want to go out being the guy who killed Gwen Stacy again. Except now you can't because of Spider-Gwen. Right. But you know, there is a perfectly legitimate, far more interesting and empowered Gwen Stacy. Right. Who's going to be spun off and stuck in a romance with Miles Morales. Right. But it's a vastly better version of the character than than ever was in the comics. Oh, absolutely. The Getting killed is the best thing that ever fucking happened to Gwen Stacy. <laughs> Because based on what we've learned about her since, if she'd stayed alive, Peter could have learned directly from her Facebook page, say, that she slept with Norman Osborn and bore a couple of his fucking kids. <laughs> All before, you know, throwing in with organized crime and extortion and you know, threatening to allow people's cloned kids to die screaming in withdrawal from the carrion virus. Yeah, it's a living. You know, Jerry Conway wrote the one that got away. She has since become the bullet that Peter fucking dodged. Yeah. Gwen Stacy is a fucking mess. Gwen Stacy was better off dead every second of the day. Yeah. They should have just left her with snap and then planted her and just never mentioned her except with Peter looking up into the sky and that old John Romita ruminating art with big thought bubbles. <laughs> Gwen Stacy is rapidly becoming Peter Parker's Daisy Buchanan. Just <laughs> you keep, let her go. You keep bringing up the great Gatsby. Let her go. And I keep saying, what? <laughs> Read a book. <laughs> All my books have pictures. <laughs> The one thing I will give this book, the one thing that I felt was not only a payoff on uh, on on the characterization here, but really kind of a payoff for all of Superior Spider-Man, was how Doc Ock kind of semi-redeemed himself by taking on the Jackal so that Peter and Anna Maria could save the world. Yes. Because it, it felt to me like a final payoff where these guys had lived in each other's heads for a while, so Peter knew the limits of how evil Otto was. Yes. And the Otto understood at least who Peter Parker was. And so it felt kind of earned that Peter could count on him at least far enough to go attack the clone. <laughs> yes. And I did like that Otto was enraged that this copy of his nemesis might endanger his one true love. <laughs> Yeah. And it would rage him to the point where he's like, no, fuck you. I'm killing us both. <laughs> Melt with me. <laughs> yes. I'll stop the world. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. Oh. Where's my whiskey funnel? <laughs> oh. 
And while it was a nice moment, I, I, I do believe they both got away because we know we're going to see Ben Riley again. And I have trouble believing after what really amounted to an epic storyline for Otto sort of threaded from superior Spider-Man through being the living brain and you know, finally getting a body back. Uh, there's no way that he's going to just let him be dead after this. No. But it was, it was a nice moment where Doc Ock acted in character. Yes. Where nobody around him was. <laughs> These precious moments. <laughs> you take them where you can get them. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's tough for me to write this kind of epitaph for this event because I, even the weird events that Dan has... Superior Spider-Man should have been shit. Yes. And a lot of people think it was, but I thought it was a pretty interesting examination of what it would mean to be Spider-Man if you weren't Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Verse, stupid on its face. Every fucking Spider-Man, Electric Company Spider-Man, <laughs> did, did anime Spider-Man from unlicensed Japan. Spider-Ham. Yeah, well, Spider-Ham's been around forever. How, how he gets his own story in Web Warriors, I don't know, but... Um, Spider Island. Everybody, you get spider powers. You get spider powers. <laughs> Dumb on their face, but they were fun and entertaining. Uh, and this just wasn't... No. This was... This was, we don't do reboots here at Marvel, except when we do. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like a way to get everybody on the board and get Parker back to being more of a street-level hero, which, uh, hey, that's fine. That's the Peter Parker I prefer anyway. Mm-hmm. But in order to do it, it required everybody to act... Like they weren't. Yeah, and that's that's sort of the problem with events these days. If In order to get the event to actually happen, you have to have everybody act out of character, then you need to rethink the event. Yeah, this one was a stinker. <laughs> I'm glad it's over. Yes. <laughs> Me too. And in the end, we're getting another fucking Peter Parker, not Peter Parker, Ben Riley. Yeah. Like <laughs> Scarlet Spider book. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Marvel, why, why do you do this to me? All right. Also speaking of the 90s. Yes. <laughs> the Wild Storm, number one, written by Warren Ellis, art by John Davis Hunt. This is the newly curated, curated by Warren Ellis a line of Wild Storm reboot books. It's a pop-up imprint. Yes, uh, and this one was weird not necessarily because of its content. We're certainly going to talk about its content, but just the fact that it exists. And you and I talked a little bit about this before the show. Yes. Because it really felt, it reminds you things go really in cycles. Yes. And I've said before uh, on this show that by the end of the 90s, I was pretty much only reading Vertigo comics. Because to me, Marvel was nothing but spider clones and big Jim Starlin Thanos cosmic books, which were not my favorite. DC was killing Superman, making Batman fight Bane. So superhero comics had really stopped delivering the kind of shit that I wanted. I still like comics, but I felt like maybe I've outgrown this. Yeah. Or it's at least, it's gone in a direction that... Isn't taking you with it. Right. And then I saw M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable. And I saw it like three times in two weeks. And it reminded me, I like good superhero stories, you know, that do something innovative with them. You know, in the 80s when I was reading in high school, that was everything. You've got Dark Knight and Watchmen and V for Vendetta and dozens of books, and it went very much in the direction of, they spawn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it reminded me, okay, I, I do like superhero stories. So literally one weekend around this time, I took 100 bucks out of the ATM and I went with trebuchet friend of the show to new england comics in fucking brockton yes 
That's a town where you can get two things, comics and fentanyl. <laughs> Nobody should go there. But In the late 90s? Fentanyl? Really? <laughs> well, all right. Back then it was just garden variety, heroin, you elitist. Maybe some oxy. Uh, no, probably, probably dirt brown heroin. Yeah. But... But yeah, it's I went and I bought a bunch of trades, and I was reading Transmet at the time, so I got uh, a bunch of the Warren Ellis Wildstorm trades. Uh, I got the first two Authority trades, I got the first Planetary trade, um, and I got them because, all right, since I'm reading Transmet, at least I know this writer, yeah. and maybe there'll be something there. And it, I really enjoyed them, and it was really one of the first steps of, okay, maybe there are superhero stories that I actually want to read. And this is the beginning of 2000 where Bendis was breaking into superhero comics. Sure. And yeah, Grant Morrison was doing Marvel Boy and New X-Men. And all the comics industry was basically fucked. Like Marvel was still bankrupt, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, all right, fine. Uh, an artist, you're uh, editor-in-chief now. Try some shit. And same thing on DC's end. We'll yep. bring a TV guy in. And and yeah, it's everything became story and writer-based. And comics moved away from the image age and became much better just general stories. Now flash forward 17 <laughs> years later, and yeah, Marvel just ended the fucking clone conspiracy, <laughs> and they're going to launch another Scarlet Spider book, and thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thanos is fucking wandering around everywhere. Six months ago, as much as I love Rebirth, uh, DC killed Superman again, and yep. uh, right this fucking week, who's Batman fighting? Bane. He's fighting Bane. I'm worried about his back. Should I be worried about his back? <laughs> I'm worried about his front. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Warren Ellis is now back to try and do some interesting stuff with Wildstorm after a long, weak period for those characters. Mm. So it's just, it's weird how this cycle has happened, and I'm not sure it's necessarily what I want. Now that we've gone through a whole bunch of history, <laughs> <laughs> What were your thoughts on the individual issue? Because part of the problem that I had was it was impossible for me to separate this from, yeah, all those old Stormwatch stories and early authority and planetary. Well, I think it was, I had a a more positive first read of this, I think, maybe than you did. But I couldn't help in the way that, say, when New 52, and this is much better than when New 52 launched a variety of these characters. By nature, it has to be. <laughs> but I, I kept going, oh, this person, I remember this storyline, or this one, I didn't read that book. or like I thought the way that they introduced Zealot was clever based on how they used to draw her when Jim Lee drew her in the 90s with Wildcats. I think it was she was with Wildcats. Yeah, I think so. Um, with the this is why you have red on your face because you're cleaning up after yourself after killing a dude. Yeah, but th- there were parts of this book that I think were far too clever and meta by half, and that was one of them. Because yes, it's the book opens on the first page with yes, Zealot staring into a mirror with yeah the big red dot on her forehead and the smears on her cheeks, right? Uh, and then she's wiping them off because it turns out it's the blood of somebody that she's killed. But the problem is. As much as I like the Warren Ellis uh, Wildstorm books uh, from the late 90s, early 2000s, I always considered them outliers because the rest of the Wildstorm books really kind of sucked. They yeah. really weren't very good. Well, I mean, I the ones I read, I, I read um, Authority. I read Stormwatch. I tried to continue to read these when Mark Millar was writing them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked when Ed Brubaker had some stories. So I liked Sleeper. 
Yeah, but Sleeper's a Wildstorm book very much on the fringes of it. Right, but I mean, those those were the kind of books I liked. Yeah, but... So I wasn't reading Gen 13, I wasn't reading Wildcats. Yeah, or Grifter, because or, yeah. those were very much Voodoo. books... Voodoo. Yeah, there were books of the 90s. You know, they were, Wildstorm was Jim Lee's image. Yeah. It was all about the visuals and silly names and artists that drew a million crosshatch lines... And none of them ever hooked with me up to and including I've got Warren Ellis's complete Wildcats and I've got War not Warren Ellis, uh, Alan, Alan Moore's. Moore's complete Wildcats and his Judgment Night, which was his you know, grand attempt to talk about Silver Age and Dark Age. And, and they're not very fucking good because yeah. there's not much to a lot of these characters beyond a sneer, a set of tits and a sword and a gun. Right. They're just they're not great comics. They're what I was trying to get away from. Whereas what Ellis did in those early days was he's like, all right, this is all kind of falling apart, and DC is going to buy Wildstorm anyway, and the comics industry looks like it might go bankrupt. So let me take these characters and just try and do something interesting and different with them in this same universe. Yeah. So it was not a reboot. It was not a reimagining. It was, let me just try and tell some good stories with this and use weird targets of opportunity to shift things around. Yeah. We got the authority because somebody at Wildstorm checked off and greenlit, yeah, let's do Wildcats versus Aliens, and somebody let Ellis say, you know what? I want to kill a lot of these characters. <laughs> just kill them right the fuck off in the Aliens book. Let's let there be actual stakes to an Aliens crossover for once in 25, 30 years of Aliens crossovers and Aliens comics from Dark Horse. Let's actually let somebody of note get killed and then tack from that into the authority. Yeah. So... That was what was interesting about Wildstorm. I don't give a shit about Wildstorm in general. It was this guy trying to make a serious mark with nothing to lose in an industry that was dying, telling good stories. Yeah. And now it's a reboot, and I ain't sure. That was a long tangent on what you were saying, and I apologize. No, it's fine. It's just, I, I find it interesting what he's doing with this, at least to start, because... The big thing that you focus on is is Angela uh, Spicer, Spicer, Spica, and the she's engineer, the engineer, and she has Ellis's voice basically. <laughs> so I find it I find it interesting, like the one character that he sort of created. Yeah, no, is, yeah, that was one of his. I, yeah. I think in Stormwatch. Yeah, because it was a different engineer. Yeah, actually, no, she was, I think, yeah, I think her first appearance was the Authority One. There was a different engineer uh, who sent his plans for his liquid metal blood replacement. To her. To her. And then, yeah, she just sort of at home, homebrewed with this formula and her computer, brewed this thing up and shot herself up with it and became the engineer. Right. So the fact that she's this sort of cynical voice of, I don't get to do what I want, this all sucks, nobody's giving me the resources I need, um, you know, talk to me and I will cut you. <laughs> <laughs> it hadn't occurred to me that that was Ellis's voice. Because you know what, whenever I read an Ellis voice, so many characters generally just have his voice. The fact that one of that just one of them did in this didn't really stand out. But you got a point. Yeah. That, that really was very much his one stand-in, yeah. I think. Yeah, because we don't have Henry Bendix. <laughs> that would normally be... <laughs> Supposedly he's coming too. Supposedly he's on his way. But you know, just I, I thought that was an interesting choice. So what does that mean for this character and his overall view of this book? 
Well, and and that was one of the again, it's hard to get those early stories out of my head when you're reading this. And yeah, the engineer. I mean, if you think about the times when these are being written, one in 2017, one in like 99-ish, the dot-com boom, where there was very much a feeling of if you have a computer and half a brain and any idea how to code, you can change the world. Uh, everything wasn't about, oh, Jesus, somebody's going to come blow us up in our bedrooms or right. anything. It was a much more optimistic time. Yes, you get one engineer of, oh, I got these plans and just decided to do a body modification and now I'm one of the most super powerful superheroes in the world who can save and change the world. And in 2017, you've got, yeah, well, <laughs> you've got particularly with the engineer of, I built this thing and it doesn't quite work and it hurts and I'm trying to do the right thing and I can't get any resources and nobody seems to want to back this kind of thing anymore. And you get somebody who is very much like the engineer from the 1990s in the first three pages of the book being murdered by Zealot as a biohazard. Yeah. yeah. The, it's literally, she's like, yeah, I went to check on somebody. Yeah, I was gene hacking and homemade software and I had to put them down. So I don't know what statement he's making there, but it's it's very hard. You, you, I can't ignore the early stories. Right. They imprint themselves on top of this and that that gets tricky for me. So it, it's one of those things I think we need to see how it plays out over the next couple of issues to, to see how much more it may begin to depart from the old stories, because I think it will. I think it absolutely has to. But in the back of my mind, I'm also just like, so where's Tao? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. Some of these I had to Google, because again, I'm not a Wildstorm aficionado. aficionado. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there were plenty of old Wildstorm characters in this, and a lot of them I had to Google. Jacob Marlowe is Lord Emp. Mm -hmm. uh, who's the guy who started the Wildcats. Uh, Adriana, that girl who's wired to the machine at the end, well, mm -hmm. showing it's a fucking Warren Ellis book, Marlo drinks polonium whiskey. Because, um, you know, he's worried and he wants to build up a tolerance like it's fucking Iocane powder. <laughs> yeah. No, it's because Warren Ellis wrote it and said polonium whiskey. That sounds good. But <laughs> I'm going to uh, get me some. Anyway, that's Void. Uh, Michael Cray is Deathblow from Team 7. Yep. Uh, Miles Craven was the guy who started IO in the original Wildstorm universe. There were a ton of old Wildstorm characters in this. Absolutely. Part of the problem is Ellis did a lot of uh, storytelling gimmicks to try to grease the skids on some of these introductions that to me really detracted from the book. And some of it was being meta for the sake of being meta and really, really pulled me out more than once. It, repeatedly in this... He has people demand that other people tell them their names or their code names. Yes. You know, to and clearly it's a gimmick so that, okay, here's a way to make somebody say their name that doesn't necessarily feel like, hi, my name is Bill <laughs> and I can fly. And But it's also at three or four times the same method to get people to say their names yeah. really kind of felt forced and, and kind of took me out of the story. I'm far busier at that point by the fourth time it's happening. I think it was literally at least three or four times saying, all right, Ellis, I see you behind the curtain. I get what you're doing, but I know who, who a lot of these characters are. Right. And I'm sure a lot of the people reading the book already do as well. And if they don't, they got the Google same as I do. Yeah, or or they're new and they'll just go along for the ride and in the next issue when you call them Lucy instead of Zealot. <laughs> yeah, it's which is absolutely fine. It's, and it's, you know, again, I come back to that first page of Zealot wiping the little red dot, not being a hardcore Wildstorm fan. Yeah, I'm sitting there instead of, okay, first page entry into the story, 
it's Ellis trying to wink at Wildstorm fans saying, look, huh, I'm going to do something really different with this. Look at what I'm doing with this. In the meantime, I'm like, did she have a red fucking dot? I don't remember if she had a nah, red dot. I knew d- she had a red dot. Maybe when I get up <laughs> off the toilet, I can go find a computer <laughs> and Google if she had the red dot. That's not how you want to start a story. Wait, you don't bring the phone in the bathroom so you can Google it, Will? Um, the, the phone with uh, two cameras and a microphone on it? No, I do not, <laughs> as a matter of fact. I'm not now paranoid. Now who wants to live off the grid? I'm not paranoid. I'm just... <laughs> I try to think, think things through. <laughs> but uh, there, there was one line in this where he's, uh, I think Voodoo said, oh, there's an alley where a guy turned into a bat in 1939. Yes. I'm like, oh. This is where the alien abduction took place. And- yeah, but it's there is such a thing as being too meta for your own fucking good. Okay, Warren? Yeah, I'm, I'm reading a comic book, and if you want to try to give me a superhero comic book that's about superhero comic books, you're playing a dangerous fucking game, because my copy of Absolute Watchmen is right next to Absolute Authority. It's not hard for me to find an excellent comic book about comic books. Shit like that happened over and over again, of little winks and nods and storytelling tricks, and it's just, the more I read it, the less it worked for me, and I really wanted it to work for me, because I love those old Ellis Wildstorm books. I've been looking forward to this. That's what I'm saying. Let's just give it another couple issues. Well, and we'll I, see. I, I'm certainly not unplugged from it. It's, there was enough good stuff here. I did, as much as it was in Ellis's own voice, the new characterization of Angela. Let's face reality. In every age except the dot-com boom, somebody who finds something on the internet and then shoots themselves full of it that's a mad scientist, yeah, not a futurist. Yeah. But it's also, it, it speaks to, to Ellis's own fascination with body modification. I, mean, I When I used to spend time on his website and in the forums, he'd always have something that would le- link to a like, like body modification website something. And it's, oh, this guy shot fucking tattoo ink into his eyes so he wouldn't have to wear sclerals. And now his eyes are black all the time. Like, like, <laughs> Or like, you know, you yeah. the, do I want to click on this? Conan, what is best in life? No, no, I don't want to click on that. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> to bring back a lot of weird Oh, look, memories. he bifurcated his dick. Oh, great. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> they got my dick missing. <laughs> bring back a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of terrible flashbacks to lurk in the war in Alice Worm yeah. on Delphi, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's... It feels weird to be back at this point in the cycle where Marvel's making the same mistakes and DC's doing some of the same stuff, although Rebirth, at least... And I know there's already solicited lenticular covers of Batman holding the comedian button. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have problems with Rebirth again soon. I'll deal with that. I'll burn that bridge when I get to it. It's generally been very good. Yes. So at least we've got that going on. Well, still, we seem to be back in the cycle of, okay, and Warren Ellis can make things better with Wildstorm again. And I think as much nostalgia as I have for those stories, I already got them. Is there some sort of like weird 90s nostalgia thing happening that like we just don't know about that somehow skipped over us? No, oh, of course there is. It's every 20 years. Do I need to go to a bar and play Natalie Merchant? Is that, will that fix this? <laughs> go to Warren Ellis's bar and play <laughs> Natalie Merchant. <laughs> I would rather see Ellis do something new. It's it's weird. I've got some interest in this because I have nostalgia for those stories, but I have those stories. And I, I guess I love to the point, I have the absolute giant authority edition. I've got the complete hardcover giant planetary. I've got all those old Stormwatch trades. Part of what made those stories cool was it was, like I said, somebody who 
was in an industry that was dying, who was trying to make a name and who didn't have a lot to lose. Yeah. I guess I'd rather see something with Wildstorm from that next guy. Yeah. I don't know who that next guy is. <laughs> Seriously, but I, I don't know who it is. Some Somebody who's coming up who's got a couple of books and is in the right headspace to take these properties that, particularly since the New 52, have just lain fallow, if not been half ruined. Yeah. Um, say, yeah, fine. I'll Fuck it. I'll do something with that. Nobody cares so I can really cut loose? Yeah. That's what made the Ellis stories back in the 90s so cool. And yeah, like I said, I don't know who it is, but the more I read this, I'm like, oh, storytelling tricks, and he's winking at me, and uh, okay. <laughs> it's understandable. So yeah, this uh, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't even really dislike it, but it was certainly not what I was hoping for. So, in summary, we watched a, watched a television program with um, characters and storyline originally written and conceived by uh, Chris Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz, Legion. Yeah. Um, do something really cool and spectacular with an old property. Yeah, something completely unexpected. And we watched Dan Slott and Warren Ellis do something kind of disappointing and head-scratching with old properties. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what that comes down to this week. Okay. Well, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it's tough. I'll still put Ellis as one of my favorite comic writers. I pick up almost everything that that he writes. Uh, this, yeah, it's, I really think it's the, just the more I think about it, it's, I, I don't need you to go back there. I've got all that stuff. And it was a different, it was the same guy, but different who wrote it mm-hmm. in a different headspace with different stakes for whether it worked or not. And I'd like to see whoever the new Ellis turns out to be. And I'm not sure who it is. I would like to see Kyle Higgins take on these characters. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm just putting that out there. I've got two or three names that I can't, uh, that are like Sid Barreted. They're on the tip of my tongue. I'd like to see Jeff Parker's take on these characters. That would also be fun. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Who did The Vision and is doing Batman Tom right Taylor. now? Th- no, not Tom, Tom Taylor. Taylor. Tom, um, Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor might be interesting because yeah. he's, while I'm not necessarily the hugest fan of the. Uh, Tom King. Yeah, Tom King. That, that would be cool. Yeah, I didn't but mean to no, cut off your other thought. But no, Tom Tom Taylor would also be because the uh, what's the alternate version uh, from the video game of DC, the fighting game? Oh, Injustice. Yeah, the Injustice books. Yeah, you know, yeah, taking characters and trying to think around corners with them. You know, he's he's done reasonably well with. Although I'm I'm kind of done with that alternate dark universe Injustice stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it might be interesting to see him do something like like this. Force nostalgia only goes so far. I'd like to see Carla Speed McNeil's take on this, but that's because I want to see her write everything. So, well, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> All right, anything else on this, or should we wrap it? We up? can wrap it up. All right, because apparently I have to set my meat on fire or something. <laughs> I'm very tired. Just gently smoke, <laughs> smoke it a little. <laughs> I want you to smoke my meats. <laughs> I have to get a rib removed if you want me to smoke my own meat. TMI, babe. <laughs> Thank you, folks. I'll be here all week because I'm going to fall asleep here in about 10 minutes. All right. Not sure where you found this fine podcast media, but you can <laughs> always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, let's see. We are on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can certainly send us a message there, and I've been trying to do more with it. Although, What's the website? Uh, what, Facebook.com. Fa- Facebook.com slash Crisis on Infinite Midlives. There you go. <laughs> it's, it, you're, you're looking at me like a dog trying to do a card <laughs> trick. <laughs> Watching you do a card trick. Yeah, with no thumbs. 
Hey, was this your card? <laughs> Woof. <laughs> Facebook, we're on it. <laughs> we are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. Uh, we are on Tumblr, uh, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. If that's how you like to get your podcast, you can subscribe to us there. Or if you get a minute, do us a favor, give us a rating, give us a review. It does help new people find the show. And certainly we want more people to listen to this. <laughs> this is art, baby. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Who's art? <laughs> uh, we are on, uh, what else are we on? We're on Google Play. We we're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Yes. I'm sure I missed something. I think you got everything. Okay, that's because that's all there is. I'll <laughs> make you a list at some point. Okay. And yeah, tattoo it on the inside of my eyelids. <laughs> yeah, that'll help. <laughs> Stamp loser on my forehead. Just get me into traffic. <laughs> no. All right. This has been episode 142 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. Every muscle of my body is relaxing, and that can't be a good thing. No, no, that's, <laughs> but that's probably just the Valium. Showtime, a-holes. Uh, yeah, I think I'm done. <clears throat>